Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We've got a special rendition of our episodes this week. We've got Barton Howard of Tubo in the studio today. And we're going to be talking about innovation, creativity, how you can take a concept in your mind and make it into a tangible product, along with some really great other things that he's doing in the community and around the country. Just all incredible stuff that he's got going on. But before we get to that, I want to give a big shout out to the wonderful people that make this show possible. Falaya Real Estate, we come to you every week from the Falaya Focus Podcast Studio and Falaya Real Estate bringing that to us. Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, Horizon Financial Group, Mallard Bay Outdoors, and Government Taco. Thank you so very much to all of our wonderful sponsors and making this show possible each and every week. And without further ado, Barton, man, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Humbled, honored. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Absolutely. It was through Logan Moe, um, one of the sponsors with Mallard Bay, that recommended he's like, Patrick, you have to meet Barton. Like, you just, you have to meet him, chat with him, and learn about what he's got going on. So whenever that happened and I looked you up, I was like, as a, as a cigar enjoyer and a, you know, person who likes that sort of thing, I was like, I have to have this man on the show. Because after looking through your product and your development of what it's become today, it's really incredible to see how far it's come and what you're doing in that space. So for those that may not be aware, who are you, man? Who Who is Barton Howard? Um, so I'm a, uh, I will tell you, uh, we'll always strive to be a, a student of leadership. Um, uh, you know, I, I try to try to really focus on um, maintaining a mindset of servant leadership. Um, I'm a, a husband, a father, um, and been given an, a very fortunate opportunity um, that a lot of folks uh, may not take some risk to experience, and uh, proud to you know go down a path as an entrepreneur. So I would say that's a that's a good summary, if you will. I, I try to focus on summarization a lot more these days. Yeah, a lot, a lot more to the point instead of the uh, elaboratoriness of conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're we're here to talk about with, within the graphics. I didn't even know about this until your um your marketing lady or who's the lady I've been coordinating with. Probably a couple of different folks. Okay. They send me some logos, and it's like Tubo and then something else. So there's another CTP or something like that? Yeah, CTW, uh, CTW Cir- yes. Circle the Wagons, which is a, a group purchasing organization that I founded um, spe- specifically to service the uh, independent grocery uh, community um, with uh, stores that we represent customers across the country. Excellent. So I, I want to dive into both of those first originating with Tubo. Okay. What in the world is it? So it is a uh, definitely a uh, innovative product coming into a, a very romantic um, industry. Um, you know, not much has changed in the premium cigar industry in uh, a century or more. I don't think much is going to change um, in a century or more from now. Um, and uh, quite honestly, I don't. I don't think I was ever. Uh, smart enough to really get involved into tech and understand a lot of the things that change and the volatility in that space. And so as I was trying to think about things I could find myself to get involved with, I went uh, back to things more with a simplistic nature. And um, I've been a a fan of cigars for way too long, Um, (laughs) definitely longer than uh, would be of 
of, of legal age, if you will, I'll say that. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a, it's a product to really address a big need um, in the industry to come um, and find solutions to grow the industry. It's an industry I'm passionate about, yet um, there's some very specific reasons why it hasn't been able to grow nearly as much as it could. And uh, we're trying to change that. And so definitely uh, bringing about some innovation into a space that doesn't see a tremendous amount of innovation. So, so w- within that, for the product specifically, what, how would you describe it to, some, to somebody if you were telling it to them? What is like the actual product sure. in and of itself? So what it is is the ability to take a, uh, a tubed cigar, which is called a tubo, um, and that's spelled T-U-B-O. So we went with E-A-U-X. Um, Which plays into your heritage, right? Well, it, it, it does. It definitely plays into you know, our, our, our French heritage here, our, our South Louisiana culture here. Obviously, that's a very common E-A-U-X or A-U-X. But the main reason I went with it was uh, a pretty significant price difference. So GoDaddy actually, uh, uh, T-U-B-O.com was available for $65,000 and um, as a very young and inexperienced entrepreneur, let's just say that uh, I didn't necessarily have the uh, discretionary funds for sixty-five thousand to take down a, a website. Um, that's a, that's a pretty big chunk of change just for a just for a domain name. <laughs> yeah, and uh, luckily when I typed in T U B E A U X, it was nine dollars and ninety-nine cents. Take that all day. Yeah, and, th- and that was my first, I would say, entrepreneurial executive decision. So. <laughs> That worked out pretty well. So at what age are you taking this leap out into entrepreneurship? So really started dabbling in it a couple of years ago. Um, I'm, you know, a a proud veteran, if you will, of Rouse's Markets. Um, They gave me the opportunity back in 2010 to leave my uh, law enforcement career and actually move into the private sector and learned a tremendous amount about business, about customer service. Um, you know, about merchandising, about operations, marketing, and uh, was always a huge fan of cigars and recognized we needed a program uh, inside of the grocery stores. And so I, I approached the Rouse family and some of the executive staff members of the team and uh, asked to be able to work and collaborate with them on developing a premium cigar program to offer in the stores. And through that process was able to kind of understand some of the things that we needed to address and Tubo was really invented almost by accident, um, but that's where I kind of got my start into the cigar industry and taking uh, some entrepreneurial leaps, if you will, before I uh, realized I invented Tubo. So, and did you have like any engineering or technical experience in this space prior to? No, uh, hardly any. Uh, but when I when I found the opportunity for the benefits of a a tubo cigar to stand up and that you could, instead of wasting 12 inches worth of counter space or shelf space on a traditional box of cigars and realize that if I could just figure out how to get the tubes to stand up and be one after the other, that I could take an entire box of product and put it into an inch and a half to an inch and a quarter rather than 12 inches. And it's that much of a size difference. It is. It is. So in the same space that you could fit one box of cigars with 
uh, tubo, we can give you anywhere from 10 to 12 boxes in that same space. Jeez, that is just, I mean, that's night and day at that point. Going from one box to 10 to 12, that is just, those numbers from a shelf standpoint are just crazy. It is, and uh, it's 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 really visually it's it's uh, it's it's very different to see it. It's definitely a new way of looking at um, how cigars are displayed, how they're merchandised, how they're sold. And uh, back to your you know question about engineering background, um, hardly zero. Um, and uh, what I did have was a Walgreens that was in the area, and on a Sunday night when I saw the tube standing up by itself on my desk. I uh, tried to Google for a little while to find a merchandising solution. That was what I was just thinking that we needed to grow, uh, you know, some humidors in the stores that where we didn't have a lot of space or didn't want to commit to a huge humidor, traditional looking humidor. So I drove down to Walgreens and ripped one of the Mike and Ike uh, pushers off the shelf and uh, started trying to figure out who made that because they had to be some pretty smart engineers and uh, called them to tell them I've uh, got an idea. Maybe I invented something, but I need some help in figuring out how to actually bring it to product. So wait, so how did you get a hold of these people? I mean, is there a number on on the bottom of like the shelving? Like how did you know who to call? It took some time. Um, I finally did figure it out and I, I was worried at that point. It was probably two or three weeks. I thought maybe I had invented something here. And again, with the fortunate opportunity that I was provided to get my start into the non-public professional environment with Rouse's Markets, um, you know, I, I kind of recognized the importance of, you know, what I may have here may be addressing a big opportunity in the market. And so I was very cautious. Um, I reached out from burner numbers, if you will, to this manufacturer. And the Star 97, as it were? Yeah, the, the, uh, the I guess the new version of uh, Star 97. Yeah, I was constantly calling from a, a new number. Wouldn't tell these folks where I was from or what I was working on until they signed a, a non-disclosure agreement. And weeks went by where they were like, you can't even give us an idea about what you're working on. And um, I said, no. And so finally it got enough attention of the company that the CEO got involved because he was very curious that there's this cloak and dagger. We get this call once to twice a week trying to convince us to sign this paperwork. And I was really concerned that if I told anything to them beforehand with all they do as a company is make stuff to display and push product and dispense product that I'd lose my uh, potential invention. And again, still not certain I'd invented something at the time. And uh, come to find out, they agreed to sign the paperwork. And I pulled over on Highway 90 uh, in the parking lot of a Chinese restaurant. And I sent them a picture of what I was trying to do. And uh, the gentleman who, at that point, inside this conference room was the CEO, the CFO, the COO, the chief marketing officer. They had this whole team where they were like, okay, we're, we got to know what this big unveiling is of this thing that's been cloak and daggers so, so, so you collect by yourself you got their entire c-suite and marketing director to sit down at a conference room table to look at a picture you were going to email them yes as a nobody with changing numbers twice a week you would call yes that's incredible no it's just persistence 
Well, but it's it's you must have said enough to spark their interest to pull all those people and for for the not not to make a pun, but for them to circle the wagons and get their entire C suite in one room about this person they have no idea anything about, but are just pure curiosity. It just blows me away. Well, I, I, I don't know. I guess maybe you get lucky every now and then. Yeah. But, so anyway, so they're in this boardroom, all of them. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I email them the picture of what I'm working on and what I'm trying to do. And I think to this day they still forgot they were on video conference <laughs> because the CEO was sitting at the end of the table. Uh, he put his head down, and it was for about 30 seconds, which you think about a live meeting it's a pretty that's long, a long period of time. Like, if we're, there was 30 seconds of dead air anywhere, that's a long period of time to just be quiet. Right. And he looked around the room and made some comments to the tune of, you know, all we've ever done has been in the business of displaying and pushing stuff. And I was just complaining at my golf shop the other day that there wasn't enough cigar selection in the space of the humidor. And literally for 60 years, all we've ever done is displayed and push stuff. And I've been a cigar fan my entire life. How we have not figured this out or this team has not come up with this invention yet, I don't know. We'll figure that out over time. For right, right now, what I want to tell you is you've got my full support. I'll put the entire weight of the company behind bringing this product to market. and We'll do anything we can to partner with you. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. And they're still our manufacturer to this day. Heinschel Steino out of New Jersey. H.S. Pop. H.S. Pop. So I think that just proves, like, if, if you already didn't have proof of concept at that point in this discovery phase or manufacturing idea phase that you had, that in and of itself should have been your proof of concept moment. The moment where you knew, I'm on to something here. For the fact of the CEO to say, why in the world have we not thought about this first? It makes so much sense. Like, what, did, what was that feeling like hearing that from him? Um, you know, it was encouraging for sure. Um, but at the same time, I, I recognize that if I did invent something and I'm coming into a space that hasn't seen a lot of technological changes or changes to manufacturing, you know, and that's one of the things that I really love about it, you know, is that a lot hasn't changed and a lot's not going to change likely. I mean, you know, the, the, the amount of hands that go into rolling a cigar in the uh, again, the passion that's in that industry is is incredible. And so um, it was an encouraging moment, but I also recognized that I was facing a very steep hill to likely bring about as a nobody and an unknown in this industry to not only come in and potentially challenge it in a big way um, that I was going to be felt uh, or, or met with a tremendous amount of uh, skepticism or challenge um, and so I knew that it was definitely an encouraging moment, but also, um, I clearly recognized the challenge that was in front of me. Yeah. I mean, cause you like, exactly like you said, the technological advances were not there to this degree within the industry. So when you walk in a typical cigar shop, they've got these massive walk-in humidors that mm-hmm. have just boxes and boxes and boxes of cigars, takes up a lot of real estate, but you have created this solution that allows to essentially fractionalize that storage space requirement with the same number of cigars that they can display and sell within their shop to then allow for maybe a more 
open space where people can sit and actually start enjoying this product within their shop and not have to buy and go somewhere else. They can now redesign their shops around this storage system where people can sit within a circle or wherever and actually enjoy the products after they purchase them with their friends or comrades or what have you instead of having to go elsewhere. I mean, it's just completely changing the space as a whole when it comes to storing, you know, cigars. It is, and it's also, in my opinion, it's it's the biggest opportunity for the industry to grow far more than it's ever had an opportunity to grow because we there there's now a product that's available to address the biggest issue on why you most commonly hear that folks do not bring a program in to their restaurant, to their bar, to their nightclub, um, you know, uh, to their golf pro shop or wherever the case may be, the convenience store um, is all about, well, I don't have the space for a big humidor. And so I called the smaller units, the bar back, um, because I envisioned them sitting behind the bar or taking up a very little amount of counter space. And so the comment and my response is now, what do you mean you don't have the space for a premium cigar program. If you can give me the height and the width of a bottle of wine, how about I give you four boxes worth of product in the same space? And so, you know, the, if you look back and, you know, uh, I've, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Um, and again, I'm in the tobacco industry um, and, and, and proud of that. Um, it's a family industry and, a, and, and an industry that supports folks all around the world. But, you know, if you think about, you don't see folks buying by the carton very much anymore. Why? Because cigarettes by the pack are available on every corner. And so if you think about the fact that not every person who smokes cigars pumps gas, but, you know, everybody that pumps gas, some of those are smoking cigars. Yeah, every you know, person or, that smokes a cigar pumps gas. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, not everybody that pumps gas smokes a cigar, but everybody that smokes a cigar is likely pumping gas. So why aren't you seeing premium cigar programs in you know, convenience markets and C stores, you know, across the country. I mean, there's, you know, how many convenience stores as of 2022 are in the United States? I have no idea. Just under 200,000. 200,000. 200,000 Okay. And, and there's 21,800 independent grocery stores in and the United States. The distribution of cigarettes is the same model. It's that same push model that Correct. you've got. Correct. But it hasn't been applied, like you said, to the premium cigar market until now. That's correct. That's correct. So we're addressing space and, and we're ad addressing the opportunity to grow the industry into places that has never uh, seen a, a capability or a reason to grow because, again, they may not have the space. And if we think space is valuable here in the United States, how valuable is that space in Asia, in Europe? And uh, we've seen demand and emails come in on a weekly basis from places all over the world. Um, and it's such an amazing experience to see this stuff come in when we don't really market um, or, or really spend any uh, revenue associated with trying to promote the product. We're just trying to keep up with the demand that continues to find us organically. That's what I was about to say. What is it like keeping up with that demand? I mean, if you've got emails coming in from all over the world, all over the globe, are you able to maintain the production level necessary or are you still trying to catch your breath? and have e unopened emails you can't even get to right now. So I've got an, a, a really an amazing team and an amazing partner um, in, in Rocky Patel, uh, who's a, you know, a well-known um, you know, industry leader um, and an entrepreneur himself. And um, 
I could tell you that if I was going at this alone, again, knowing how big the market is and how difficult it would be to try to do it alone, um, having the most fortunate uh, blessing and opportunity that was given to, to me uh, by way of Kali Capital and, and having a venture capital partner uh, behind me to get started um, and take this, you know, past the point of uh, dreams to more actual product to bring to the market. And then having an opportunity to partner with somebody like uh, Rocky Patel is, is now how I can confidently tell you that we can address the marketplace and the demand from that marketplace because I'm, again, partnered with uh, one of the largest manufacturers in the world and just an incredible, incredible company. So how did you get into that deal with Rocky Patel? Because there's plenty of premium cigar manufacturing companies out there, right? It's not just only within Rocky Patel. How did that come about? How did that relationship get here? So um, I was able to actually have a conversation with a couple of different manufacturers, only if they would sign the paperwork. Um, For a good reason. <laughs> and um, the reaction from the manufacturers were overwhelmingly positive. Um, and then I, I went with a, a, a good friend and, and business partner of mine, um, Dustin Prudham, the Cajun cigar czar. Um, and we went to Las Vegas to the IPCPR, which is now the uh, PCA show, the Premium Cigar Association show. And um, actually, uh, Hal Kale, the chief investment officer from Kale Capital, and, and his wife and, and my wife, um, we all went to this show, and I knew no one really knew me in the industry. And so, um, you know, I'm also a, a young, younger man, if you will. So I knew that a lot of folks wouldn't pay attention to me. So I had this uh, two-page document that was a very simple non-disclosure, non-compete intellectual property agreement and had some really beautiful renderings um, so about you, what we did. So no, no, no tangible product yet? No, this was just renderings on paper. Okay, okay. And uh, we had some 3D printed modules is the technical term. That's the actual holder of the tube cigars that's with expandable to be able to take anywhere from a 40 ring gauge up to a 62 ring gauge. And we brought the renderings to the show. And so I'd walk up to these different manufacturers and tell them a little bit about who I am and my background and think I have something pretty special to show them, but I'm going to need them to sign this paperwork first. And so the overwhelming attitude was like, yeah, whatever kid. And so <laughs> there's nothing here. that's really impressive. Right. Like, what are you going to bring to me that I hadn't already seen? Right. And so um, everybody pretty much signed it. And it was uh, interesting I, when I met with Nish Patel, uh, Rocky's brother. Um, they had agreed to sign the paperwork, and Nish took a look at the renderings and said, hold on, uh, we need to have a conversation. So he walks off and gets his brother Rocky, which, you know, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, just a rock star in the industry. So I've, I've been a fan, know his product very well. He's, he's very well recognized in the industry. Love his product. Yeah, great, great stuff. Great, great product. Great stuff. Um, and um, he goes and, and grabs his brother and says, I need to see you. And he's like, I'm in a meeting right now. He's like, no, you need to come see this. And so Rocky comes walking over and basically says, you know, what do you got? And um, I'd really been trying to figure out what my elevator pitch was going to be, what my shark tank, you know, type moment was going to be on how do I get somebody's attention. And so I stuck with, 
the industry has been displaying dispensing uh, cigars wrong for a century or more, and I fixed that. And you know that, that you get the same reaction, yeah, the, the like, startled look, like what really? are you talking like, about? You got guts, kid. <laughs> um, all right, show me what you got. And so he started flipping through the document and look look at the first image, took a look at the second image, and stopped right then and there and said, "Who else has seen this?" And so I told him, and he said, um, "This is incredible. I don't want to waste any more time here at the show." Um, I want a global exclusive. Do you have a patent on this? I said, it's, it's patent pending. Um, 27 different elements in the patent itself. And uh, says, I don't want to waste any more time here at the show. I want a global exclusive. I want you to come down to Naples next week. And uh, I want to partner with you this uh, partner uh, with you on this all over the world. And I actually came to the show with the hope that I'd have the opportunity to partner with him. I mean, if I had to pick so like, one person. So like, like that was the company you were in for? Absolutely. Because I knew he was an entrepreneur of entrepreneurs that he was known in the industry for, you know, quickly being able to adapt and overcome, improvise, and um, was known to overwork anyone. Um, and it's just a grinder. And I respected that about him. I did a lot of research about these different companies. And if I had to pick one, that was my ideal, if you will, or my target. It was definitely uh, Rocky Patel and Rocky Patel Premium Cigars and their whole team, Nish, Nimish, Dave, um, you know, really the, the sales staff that that's there uh, across the country are just an incredible group of people. And uh, I was, I was so excited. And so he told me, well, look, I'll place an order with you right now or whatever we need to do for you to stop showing everybody else. And I shook his hand and I said, actually, uh, I'll give you my word. I'll stop showing everybody else. I canceled two other follow-up meetings where folks had flown, flown in to actually take a deeper meeting. Things got, um, Things develop quickly. How, how did so on this two folks? How did they handle that? Like, how did they handle you saying, "Sorry, I can't meet with you"? Uh, one company was very upset. Like, because that as as an entrepreneur, right? When when you lock that deal with somebody who says they want that exclusivity, and you get in that agreement, you're often faced with that situation that you just experienced, that you just described. They then have follow up meetings that they were planning on getting to because they didn't know, right? You didn't know you were going to walk in. And Rocky Patel is going to say, hey, look, Barton, this is it. Lock it in. What we got to do to make it? Only us. You don't know that's going to happen as an entrepreneur, even if you're out there trying to find it, right? You have no idea. You hope that it's going to happen. You dream it's going to happen, but you don't know. So then you're left with that particular situation. So what was something that you did to kind of counteract and counterbalance that just, I'm sure, was probably anger towards you? Yeah, it was definitely some disappointment. Um, it was It was really... Um, humbling to see the response from these manufacturers that I'd, you know, spent some time researching and got to know. Um, and to see their reaction, um, I was confident that we were going down the right path. Um, but fortunately enough, um, those folks had also engaged in um, respecting uh, the, yeah. the confidentiality of this uh, solution, this invention. And uh, we've been able to actually um, continue to work together to this day and now do it as a, a collaboration between multiple brands and uh, really doing something with Tubo that you have multiple manufacturers partnering together on this solution to grow this, grow this industry as a collective and uh, with 
with Rocky um, taking the taking the lead. So um, it's worked out really well. That's incredible. So, so how did the the meeting go down in Naples? Uh, it went it went fantastic, and it definitely set up a long process of negotiations and um, further testing and uh, market analysis and. You know, as you can imagine, me understanding that I was about to challenge an industry I knew was going to be difficult, let alone someone who says that they now want to bring this product to market in the industry that they're known for globally. and heavily involved in globally. And to say, can I now challenge the marketplace with this? So it was definitely a very, it started a conversation which led to a very lengthy process that ultimately concluded in uh, 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 February of, of 2021 when uh, Rocky came down and we had a fantastic uh, celebration dinner to close at, at Galatoire's in New Orleans and and uh, had you know everybody that's that surrounded me and um, uh, one person in particular was uh, w- was was missing from that uh, uh, from from that dinner but for the most part um, every everything else was uh, I was surrounded by a bunch of folks that were tremendously supportive and helped get us to the point that we are to finalize this deal. So from start to finish, how long did that take? A little over two, a little, I'd say close to two years. Two years. Little, little, little over. What, what kept you going through those negotiations for two years? Again, I was, I was in a very fortunate opportunity that I was supported heavily um, by my fellow colleagues, uh, the, the ownership, um, at Rouse's, I mean, you know, they're entrepreneurs. I mean, they're third generation, fourth generation on the ground, uh, family owned, family operated business. And, um, you know, the, the ownership there was kind enough to recognize that I, I had some potential here with a product and were supportive of that. And so, um, it was not as, as difficult for me as it is probably for some to be able to wait that long and, and work through the process. But between the support that I had with family, friends, uh, Kali Capital and, uh, and Rouse's, um, it was, it, it was not as difficult to wait and make certain that we were making the right decision on behalf of my partners on, on behalf of, uh, the venture capital firm that backed us and decide what was uh, the appropriate next step. So, tried to make certain that I was, I was patient. Yeah. Cause that is one thing that some entrepreneurs may not realize is the timeline it takes for stuff like this to happen. Right. So it took, you know, two years oh, yeah. for you to get a deal inked from the initial agreement. Right. So like you Correct. had, you had an agreement with the, this manufacturing company that said, look, we want to do it. We want exclusivity. We want global contract, whatever we got to do to lock it in, let's make it work. But even then after the handshake deal, it still took two years to finalize this thing. And so I think that is a conversation for entrepreneurs to, cons- you know, to seriously consider this stuff takes time, right? You know, the greatest overnight success is what, 10 years in the making? You know, it's not, doesn't happen overnight. That's fantastic. Yeah. Like, like it doesn't happen overnight. This stuff takes time. Negotiations take time. Even the deals laid out on Shark Tank where they think it's closed, signed, done after the show's over, they still go and do due diligence. They still have a team of researchers that go after them, research the market, research the product, make sure everyone's having a good deal. This stuff, after the handshake, it doesn't conclude there. 
it, it takes time for this stuff to happen for the good deals to work out anyways. Absolutely. So I, I think that story paints it perfectly. Yeah, the, what I can tell you is that for anyone that's out there who's questioning whether or not take take that leap of faith and trust in yourself and um, you know give it a shot, it, you'll you'll never regret it. It's it's been the most rewarding, the most difficult, um, the most challenging. Uh, I could use a hundred different terms, but um, you know taking that leap of faith and and stepping out into the world of, you know, entrepreneurship, if you recognize that nothing's going to come quick, that everything's going to come much slower than you anticipate. Um, but I, I can tell you that the juice, is, the juice is absolutely worth the squeeze. Absolutely. And it's, it's worth, especially whenever you have that handshake to work through whatever you need to, right? And I think it's part also having the faith that the deal you struck is going to be beneficial for you and not jumping to those other manufacturers when it takes so long, right? Because then you don't know what their deal is going to entail. You don't know like if, oh, well, Rocky's taking two years. Like it's it's too long. Right? I want to get this stuff done tomorrow. And you call up on the other guys and they're saying, oh, it's going to be about that long for us as well. You don't know what the other deals are. If you're in a situation where you think it's taking too long and you've already, you think you had somebody on the back burner, it could take just as long. So it's like have that patience, see it through, make sure you get accomplished what you want to get done with that initial deal if you've got one instead of jumping to somebody else because it's just taking time to work through the motions. I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And again, if if you think about you're trying to make a, a big change in any industry you're trying to make a change in or bring about innovation, the, the amount of time that you're thinking it may take and that oh, two years sounds like a long time, three years sounds like a long time. This is an industry that's been around for centuries and going yes. to be around for centuries. So what is two, three, four years if you compared that to the amount of time an industry's been around or how long it's going to be around? It's a blip. So recognize that you're, you're just a small part of that. But I think a lot of folks would give up and fail um, because it takes too long. They're looking for that, you know, quick, quick reaction. And it's just, it's just not the case. Um, but again, it's definitely, definitely worth it. Uh, entrepreneurship is not a quick fix. No, there, there, there is no quick buzz unless you're buying a product today and flipping it on eBay tomorrow. Outside of that, there, there's no quick fix. There's no quick buzz you're going to get from being an entrepreneur. If you really want to build something that matters and that actually carries weight for decades and decades, I mean, you're talking centuries and centuries for your particular product, but for something that has the ability to go the distance that long, it's going to take time to develop it, to refine those skills, to refine your process, to make sure that what you put in place on the front end is going to last the lifetime. That's just going to take time. It doesn't happen overnight from the majority of entrepreneurs out there. You may have one person or two people, the two offs, three offs, that are able to take something and overnight it becomes a success. But my question to that is to follow up with, how long then does that company last? How long is it around for? Does it blow up initially and then simmer down? Or does it actually just keep gradually climbing? Like what I'm sure is gonna be the case here with Tubo. God willing. <laughs> with you behind it, you're not going to let it happen any other way. Well, again, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be surrounded by a bunch of folks that are much smarter than I. 
and um, pride myself in in trying uh, to to find folks and surround myself uh, with folks that are are much smarter um, to be able to continue to challenge me on a regular basis to stay focused and um, keep growing. Absolutely, that is the my my dad always told me that you don't always have to be the smartest person in the room. You just have to know who that smartest person is. And by collaborating with them, there's nothing you can't achieve. Well said. So from the sales model of Tubo, I mean, you're disrupting an industry, like you said, it's been around for hundreds of years. Were you faced with any opposition from retailers? You know, I, I had someone, uh, a, a dear friend, um, that's another entrepreneur who's done an incredible job. Um, give a shout out. Is that okay? Absolutely. Whatever you want to do, man. So, uh, for those of you that are not familiar with something borrowed blooms out of, out of Lafayette, uh, Louisiana, Barrett knows them. Barrett's is, over there giving the high fives. It is an amazing, amazing group of women. And, um, Lauren, their co-founder, I heard her speak, um, one time and she made a comment about if you don't have violent agreement on one side and just as much disagreement on the other side from an industry that you're trying to address or change, challenge, innovate in, then you're likely not doing anything really innovative. So if you find yourself in an environment where you've got some folks who are absolutely thinking this is the greatest thing ever and some folks who are saying, this is going to be the biggest fail that they've ever seen. You're probably doing something pretty special. And I absolutely agreed with her on that. And that's absolutely the situation that we face is we have some of the industry that thinks this will go nowhere. And then a good bit of the industry that says we're getting behind this all we can. And so, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to work hard to, uh, prove the doubters wrong and continue to thank and support those who uh, believe. And if you look at the retailers, one of the reasons why I was so excited when I realized I'd invented Tubo and where it could go in the marketplace is that I have a, a distributing partner uh, in New Orleans, a cigar bar called Cuban Creations. And he started deploying these humidors all across the French Quarter. Has them on Bourbon Street now and some really famous places. And the sales that he's doing out of those small humidors, which he never could have been able to build a walk-in humidor in Jean Lafitte's old blacksmith shop. Yet that's where you'll find one of them sitting on the bar because it's such a small footprint. This is giving retailers not a reason to look at this as a challenge, but instead of going spend a million dollars or more to grow a second location, how about you just take a dozen or two of these and put them out in the places that your customers who already own the bars, the restaurants, the golf courses, start deploying the product you already have into these environments. Stop waiting for your customers to walk in through your front door. Go get them. Go, go to where the demand already is. There is a demand when you get to the gas station that's at the end of the road before you go fishing to have a premium cigar program there, yet it's not. The demand is there. The opportunity is there. And so what we're trying to do is give retailers, give traditional tobacconists the ability to just, all we're trying to do is grow this industry because it deserves to be grown. And it's, it's a special industry. I, I haven't talked to a single person yet 
who can come up with a bad memory about a cigar. It's always, this makes me think about my grandfather. It makes me think about my wedding. It, you know, my first grandchild, you know, you think about cigars always paired with the birth of a child and celebration. I mean, it's such a, it's such a special, again, going back to that romanticism and I'm, uh, I'm a, without a doubt, a romantic at heart. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a special thing. And again, some of those retailers have really gotten on board and saying, I'm going to grow this thing like Cuban creations in new Orleans. And then some are thinking that it's going to challenge their business when they really should be looking at this as a compliment. Right. And it's presenting it to them in a way that highlights the compliment side of the business and saying, look, like you said, give me a bottle of wine space and I'll make a humidor space. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's that fascinating. And so like these units from, from the maintenance standpoint, right? So when you think about cigars, you think about the maintenance that comes along with storing them, right? So yep. I've got, you know, a, a traditional box humidor mm-hmm. in my closet that I keep with little packets in there to, main well, sh- for, to maintain the humidity. For a little while. Until for, for a little while. Until your custom tubo arrives here pretty soon. Right. So but until then, I shall suffer with the <laughs> traditional <laughs> with the traditional cedar, cedar box. We refer to, uh, I not we, I'm going to just speak for myself. I refer to that as a coffin where cigars go to die. Um, you're not wrong. We're really bringing life back to cigars by letting them stand up and be proud of who they are. You're not wrong. So, but like within that, it's from a maintenance standpoint, you know, you'll, you have to make sure that the humidity level is correct. You got to make sure the cigars are stored in a cool environment. So from a technical standpoint, as, as, as much as we can get into it without patent rights or anything like that, what type of a system can a potential customer expect from the maintenance end, if they were to put a, a, a tubo in the back, in their bar back, for a bar back, for example, what can they expect? Great question. So, uh, summarized, sent the humidors out to a well-known manufacturer of packs that provide humidity. You know what I'm referring to. Um, that are um, these small packages that allow for humidity to be um, brought into an environment and that particular company is the most recognized in the industry, put them into their lab and they're the first, uh, certified humidors by this particular company ever in history. And we haven't, um, announced that yet. We're excited to, um, but again, uh, the humidors have been designed from the ground up with a retailer, in the background, understanding what needs to happen to maintain good product quality assurance, but at the same time, making certain that if you're going to use it for your home or your duck camp, um, that you've also got uh, a very uh, good environment for those cigars to be in. So um, the amount of engineering that went into making certain that the seals were tight, that these units were manufactured uh, to be able to maintain proper humidity was one of the biggest focuses because we knew that had to be right. That had to be right. There was there was no uh, if ands or buts about that. Yeah, I mean, because that is something that's also critical when it comes to a cigar is maintaining that quality control. Correct. That each cigar is going to be the same whether it's enjoyed today or two weeks from today. Correct. You, you want to make sure that level of quality is not diminished over time but yet it maintains itself within its encasing. 
Yeah. And, and cigars, there's a big misconception about cigars that they, you know, they're highly perishable and, you know, you, you can age cigars, you know, for decades if you keep them in the right environment, no difference on how you would, you know, store and age a, a really great bottle of wine or scotch or, or bourbon. Um, as long as you keep them in the right environment, um, there's still cigars that are in humidors all over the country that are pre-embargo Cubans that are still legally able to be sold because of the fact that they have proof and paperwork that they were brought into the United States pre-embargo and they're still available for sale. And they've been aging for that long. So there's a huge misconception about cigars are highly perishable and there's a tremendous amount of risk as it relates to bringing inventory into your retail shop when you haven't tried this before. Oh, they're going to go bad if they don't sell quick. No. I mean, decades, you just have to maintain them. And yeah. it's not difficult to maintain. Well, not in the a tubo model. No, not in the tubo model. We're proud of that. Because, <laughs> I mean, it is, like, like you said, putting it in the, in the, the coffin, as it were, it, it's, you have to consciously think about it all the time. Oh, what is the humidity at? you got to go check your little dial, and is that accurate, and so on and so forth. And it's maintaining that proper level to continue to age and enjoy the cigars over time. Correct. Correct. So what is... You know a good bit about cigars. Who, me? Yeah, you do. Uh, I, I'm, I, make it, I make it seem more than I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Good stuff. So what is CTW? Uh, CTW, Circle the Wagons, is a uh, group purchasing organization. Um, so again, you know, the time that I spent in the grocery industry um, recognized a, a lot of opportunities that um, the independent grocer needs to look at creative ways to grow foot traffic, grow sales, address their profitability. Um, and look at things from a, a different perspective. And so Circle of the Wagons is, a, again, a group purchasing organization um, that helps bring about innovation and um, group buying to a lot of independent grocers and retailers that are sometimes overlooked because of their size. Um, and um, we, we let them compete and, and fight up against the, uh, the big companies because they group together in a lot of creative ways. Gotcha. And so we're within Tubo and CTW. It's like two organizations in similar but yet different fields. So clearly there's a team behind both of these. Correct. Because there's just not enough time in the day to maintain from one man both operations running smoothly. Correct. So in, in your in your experience growing teams, what has been some kind of, I guess, avenues or, or thought processes you've gone through to ensure your team you're building will maintain, if not grow more? than if you were doing it yourself? Listen to them. Um, you know, one of the first things that we try to do is that if we're going to look at opening up a new position, I want to talk to the people that have already gained my trust and ask them who they think would be a good fit for this particular role. And, you know, again, I'm, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a two-time college dropout. And you know, faced a lot of challenges and a lot of self-doubt as it relates to what my vision of success could potentially look like because I took a different path. And so I could care less in a lot of ways what somebody looks like on paper. I think you need to spend some time to get to know someone because some of the most incredible people that I've been fortunate to work with would have probably been passed over just by being judged by resume alone. And I think that um, giving folks an opportunity, and, and don't get me wrong, um, 
you know, there, there is such an importance to higher education and there's such a value in that. And in, in that respect, I guess you could define me as a quitter in a way. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that there's as much attention that's paid to the value of higher education. I just bring a balance as I'm looking to develop a team on making certain that I'm spending just as much time to give every person the opportunity to express who they are as a, as a human being and what that grit and determination and drive looks like. Because sometimes grades aren't just the best judgment. You know, to be able to sit and have A's all throughout school, but you never had to work two jobs. And so what about that C student that had to put in 40 plus hours a week to fund themselves through college? And that was the best that they could do. And so make certain that you give everybody an opportunity to express who they are in person, not just of what they are on paper. I think we just end the episode right there. I mean, that's that powerful that absolutely it's the, the sense of, and I, I wouldn't label you as, as a quitter for being a two time college dropout. I would <laughs> label you as somebody who has the self realization that it wasn't for them. Right. Yeah. The self-realization that finishing those degree paths, getting that diploma was not the path desired for you. And you had the courage and the humility to recognize that you did not have to complete what you were doing in order to get where you wanted to go. And so by recognizing that and accepting this is not the path for me and moving on to what you did, that is by far a winner in my book. That's nowhere near a quitter for leaving a university. Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, and I appreciate that. Um, I had incredibly, you know, uh, my father was a banker, so you can just imagine for, for me to tell him that uh, I wanted to uh, go into law enforcement and not go down a path of banking and, oh, by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop out of college. Um, that was, you know, received um, not so well at times, right? Um, sure. But still a tremendous amount of love and support. But, you know, really going back to listening, um, you know, all of this really came about. And the path that I'm on and the opportunities that I'm pursuing full time, all of this came about because I was listening to someone on my team. And I had a person um, who's now running administration and finance uh, for, for Circle the Wagons that turned around after working in my office for a couple of months and was hearing all these conversations about the different opportunities, you know, that were uh, able to be focused on and, and um, work with some of these other companies and develop these things further and turned around in my office, looked at me and was like, what are you doing? What is it going to take for you to recognize you need to take a leap of faith? And um, if it wasn't for that, that specific moment and the things that transpired after the fact, um, I wouldn't be sitting here today. So again, I go back to making certain that uh, you take the opportunity to, to really listen to your team as you develop them because the counsel that they can provide can sometimes uh, bring about some uh, realizations that you you probably should should really consider. Yeah, and sometimes it takes somebody else telling you something for before your eyes are open and like, oh, then it becomes like a no-duh situation. Absolutely. Like, oh, absolutely, we should have done that. You know, of course, that makes so much sense. Let's execute. You know, so again, having that self-awareness to accept that, you know, 
direction towards you, it's just huge. Yeah, no, no doubt. So as we begin to wrap up the show, because I'm sure we can go on forever, um, we have a set list of questions we like to ask every guest that comes on. Roll. So first one being, what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Spend some more time with my grandfather uh, talking to truckers on the CB and his little single cab pickup going down the interstate. That is so much fun. I used to have a 94YJ that I had a CB radio. That way I think I mounted it. I, th- I mounted it on the roof. Not on the roof, but on the on the windshield bar. And I would remember driving with my girlfriend wife now that, We'd be driving. It's like, oh, let's see what the traffic's like. And you just pick up the CB. Hey, I'm heading, you know, going down 12 eastbound. What's what's it looking like? And, oh, well, you're looking at this. You're looking at that. <laughs> and you get this all these stories and everybody's camaraderie. Yeah. And then you have somebody come in. Is that you, Joe? Yeah, what's happening? It's like, I just opened up a whole portal <laughs> of conversation I was not ready for. Yeah. And those those are some good times. Chiming in on the CB, uh, talking with some truckers on the interstate, just in going through the same experience you are, but they're just a couple miles ahead. Yep, absolutely. So what are, uh, I think I'm, I'm going to know what one of the answers is, at least for this, but what are three lessons you've learned along the way in your career? Be the duck. And what I mean by that is, you know, above the surface where everyone can see who you are and what you're doing, you stay as calm, cool, and collected as possible. And under the surface where, you know, no one can really see what's going on, you kick those feet harder than anybody else. So where folks can see you, you maintain that calmness below the surface. That's where you're getting it done. Um, I would say spend more time listening than speaking. Uh, because without that, I, I wouldn't be here today. And... Bring passion to everything that you do. You know, if, if you're going to do something, put it all out there and go for it. I don't think I'll ever um, sit back and say, I wish I wouldn't have tried. Give it a shot. What do you got to lose? So be the duck. Listen. Frickin' go for it. And we all said amen. <laughs> 100%. So... What is something you love about Louisiana? I'm surrounded by some of the, the best people I've ever had an opportunity to get to know, to work with, to be supported by. And it's, you know, I, I travel all over the country now and have been for quite some time. And the, the culture of when you land back at MSY and the excitement of everyone that's on that plane who's not from this area, it's interesting. I see the folks that are going home just as excited as the ones who are coming down here as tourists. And I've noticed that on a lot of these flights. And there's just, I don't know, man, there's something freaking special in the water or something. This is just a... This is just a uh, this is just an amazing place, and you know, I've got some people that are in the in the room with me today that are just some amazing, um, amazing friends and and partners and colleagues, and um, 
it's just a it's it's a great place and it and I continue to see the this community supporting an environment of entrepreneurship and taking risks and and challenges and so I don't know I guess if I fail as an entrepreneur I will definitely try to find a job in you know how do I do uh, you know supporting tourism or something I think I could speak well on why you should come down here. <laughs> You should give Visit Baton Rouge or Louisiana Travel a call. Yeah, no, I, will. I will. So for the final question, man, what can I do to help you? Keep providing an opportunity for folks to sit in this chair and to tell their story because I'm so confident in listening to some of your previous episodes that there are probably dozens, if not hundreds, of folks that by listening to the guest you've brought on and their story and you giving them a voice to be able to tell that story have probably taken a leap of faith and the greatest decision that they've ever made. So the only thing that you can do for me is to continue to give a voice to the folks to encourage others to take a chance and potentially find themselves on the most exciting journey they'll ever be on. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, and we're uh, we're gonna keep doing this every every time we can. No, it's uh, my my goal is just one person. So long as one person watches it and decides to do something different or make a change in what their current path is for the better, that's success for me. That's, that's all. A it great takes. definition of success. So, well, Barton, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate uh. I'm looking forward to this unboxing and this unveiling we've got in the works and however long it takes to make it happen. It'll be sooner, uh, sooner than you think. Well, good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm eager and I patiently await what's, what's, what's to come. So for, for those that are interested in getting to know a little bit more or a potential retailer trying to reach out to know a little bit more about your program, what's the best avenue for them to do that? Best thing is, is, is Tubo.com, just to see a little bit about the company, how it works, and that's T-U-B-E-A-U-X.com. And then also on uh, uh, social media, uh, Instagram is, is probably most active, if you will, and that's at Tubo, T-U-B-E-A-U-X. And then uh, contact information is readily available and uh, would uh, be uh, thrilled at the opportunity to keep the conversation going with anyone that's interested to learn more about this industry. It's a special industry. And, and again, I cannot thank you enough for the opportunity to, to come on the show and share a little bit about my story. I've, I've really enjoyed this. And again, thanks for all that you do. Absolutely. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day, running all the operations you do to come on the show. I really appreciate it. And I know those listening and watching, I appreciate learning the new stories that we bring on each and every show. So thank you very much for that. Um, and thank you, everybody, whether you're you're listening or watching, whatever form or platform you're consuming us on. I really appreciate it, and you heard it firsthand here, just how much the guests really appreciate all that you do to make this show very possible. So, you know, from us, what, what can you do to help the show? Just a simple like, share, follow, or just letting your people and your friends know about us. Or if you've got a guest or somebody with a great invention or something that they want to come and talk about, reach out to us, let us know, and if it works, we'll get them on here to tell their story. Uh, I'm Patty G, host of The Patty G Show. This has been the latest episode with Tubo. I'm very excited for what we've talked about today, and thank you all so very much for coming on the show. Thank you so very much for listening, and here's a great big thanks to those that make this show possible right now. So you're home for a $399 flat fee. 
Sell your home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $399 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Thank you so very much to Mallard Bay Outdoors, the Airbnb for the outdoor sportsmen. If you're looking to book a hunt or a fishing trip, this is the platform to use. They were a past guest of the Patty G Show. We got to learn all about what they're doing from the ground up. They are really revolutionizing the booking process for hunts and fish all across the country for your next hunting or fishing experience or maybe your corporate retreat you're looking for something to do for your employees book a hunt or a fishing trip with mallard bay outdoors and they will take care of you every step of the way from organizing it with the guides and the captains to making sure you can take care of them at the end of the trip mallard bay outdoors a proud sponsor of the patty g show at horizon financial group we enjoy helping others achieve greater confidence clarity and direction in their lives we realize everyone's path to financial success is unique sometimes you just need a friendly guide along the way whether it's customized financial planning individual wealth management or servicing your company's retirement plan we've got the team with the experience to help you reach your goals horizon financial group helping you provide protect and prosper for those counting on you visit us at horizonfg.com Satera Advisors, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Satera is a separate entity. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way they're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life shopping for a car they're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable you're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle thank you so very much for mercedes-benz of making this show possible